0: Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Good to see everybody. Thank you, sir. Uh, wherever you want it. yeah, thank you. That's good. Good. I often refer to this church uh because Brad and, Brad and I are best friends uh we're we're buddies, and we kind of look alike, except he's a little bit shorter than I am. <laughs> but uh we're about the same age, and uh God brought us together oh, five, six years ago, and I, I meet with Brad every two weeks, every two weeks, every second Wednesday, myself, Brad, and a couple other really good pastor friends in town just meet, and we just, we just share our lives together, but uh, this is such a unique community here in Broken Arrow, because I don't know if you realize it, you're Nazarene, This is actually a Nazarene church. Now some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this. So don't leave, all right? I didn't know I was in a Nazarene church. Well, I don't think anyone that comes to this church realizes they're in a Nazarene church because it's kind of nazra uh, It's, it's Nazramatic. Uh, it's, I don't know, like there's just so much life in this church. And I just love it. I love being here. I love worshiping with you. And I love your pastor so much. Uh, I mean, I just just almost started crying just seeing them uh, in Africa. First of all, you know, the Lord is so cool, the way he calls people to different nations of people. And I just look at how white Brad is. from top to bottom, like his hair's white. (laughs) And that the Lord called him to Africa (laughs) and this community, it's so awesome. And I just love them so much. I know, you know, I've told pastors uh, several several times this in the last year, I, I am just so glad I haven't been a pastor the last three years. I mean, it has been a tough three years for pastors. Just all the decision-making, and no matter what decision you make, somebody's not going to agree with it, and, you know, with everything that, that we've been through. And, and I've been a pastor, and the thing that I've learned about pastoring is it, there's no clock to punch. You don't start at nine and, and punch out at five. It is just an everlasting <laughs> commitment to a community of people that you're shepherding and loving, and you get calls at 1 a.m., you go to the hospital at times that you didn't think you were gonna to go to the hospital. Uh, you do weddings, and you do funerals, and you do baptisms, and and you're invested in families and in community, and, and you've got, you know, in this case, three to 400 people that are critiquing what you do, uh, you know, as a pastor. And it's just such an amazing commitment and, 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 and I just know how much they love you. Uh, he tells me how much he loves, and Laura, how much they love this community. And he's a praying man. Laura is a praying woman. When I say they, they pray, I mean, I get text messages from, from him saying, I'm praying for your three sons, and then names them, knows their names. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing pastors, you are a blessed congregation. And I think it would be fitting if we sent a message to them right after this service saying how much we love and appreciate you and your service. This morning I'm gonna share for a few minutes on what it means to be an inconvenient server, what it means to to serve in, in the gospel. And that's what they do. So here's what we're gonna do. Bear with me. Stand to your feet. I have my phone. I have a video option on the phone. <laughs> it's, and I'm just going to share a short message with Brad and Laura. And then I'm going to turn this phone to, whoops, yeah, that way, to you guys. And I want you to share how much you love them. And how much you appreciate it. And if you don't know them, trust me, they're good people. All right? So you get in on it. If you're a first-time guest, just act like, you know, that you know them. Uh, And I want you guys, for at least five to ten seconds, to share your love in a cheer, in applause, in shouting, saying whatever you want that's good, all right? And... I'm gonna send this to them as soon as, as soon as church is over, and it's gonna so, so encourage them to know that there are people back here that are praying for them, that love them, and can't wait for them to come home, all right? So if you don't like them, you're excused. Uh, you can just... Oh! <laughs> oh, I love the honesty, it's so good. Okay, here we go. Make sure we're on here. Yeah, we're going. Hey, Brad and Laura, Blaine here. Um, happy to hijack your service this morning. I'm going to be uh, talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and uh, having an altar call for those that are uh, going to hell. So it's going to be great. <laughs> love, love when you give me the pulpit. But seriously, as a, as a friend, we just want you to know, uh, Laura and I, first of all, how much we love you and appreciate you. But more than that, we have a full house. Interesting that the house is full when you guys are gone. <laughs> yeah, oh. So, we just wanted you to know how much we love you and appreciate you. And we can't wait for you to come home. In fact, right now, we're going to pray for you. Father, we pray for Brad and Laura. We thank you for their mission to Africa and our mission as a community to this country. Pray, God, that you would uh, just give Brad back his voice. I know he's been struggling since he got over there. And I pray, God, that, oh, Lord, you would just open up more doors and more opportunities for the church to grow and expand and bring the gospel to these beautiful people. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Love you guys. That was awesome. They will love that. Have a seat. So it is always, uh, it, it really is humbling when I think about getting up to speak to, to a community like, like all of you, because I, I look around this room and I, I see wonderful people. I see people I know. I see people that are fully capable of sharing the message of Jesus uh, that could be up here just as quickly as as I could or anyone else. And so I'm praying this morning that these are not my words, uh, but these are the words of Christ and the, the words that the Holy Spirit has for us. And uh, we're, we're kind of in a series on inconvenience. And this morning, I'm gonna share for a few minutes on inconvenience ser- serving and what it means to, to serve Jesus and the kind of service we can bring into uh, not just the church, but, but into our, our, our community. So I want to begin with a story. This is one of, uh, this is a story I don't think I've ever told. I mean, that, that's saying a lot for a guy that's preached 30 years. I mean, I don't think I've ever told this story because it is crazy. It was one of the most awkward moments in my life. And so as an 18-year-old kid, Fresh out of high school, I had the most awkward and I might say invasive thing in the world ever done to me. I was at a Bible school in California in the middle of a teaching class in this Bible school. There's about 60 students in this class. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business. All of a sudden, this rather large man walks up. And he looks into my eyes for like a long time. Yeah. Like five seconds without a speck of emotion on his face. And I'm just like, what is going on? And if, if you think that's bad, here's what comes next. Creases from this completely emotionless face, creases begin to form in the corners of his mouth and suddenly... A smile. Not saying a word, just a smile looking at me. And it was a creepy smile. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how some smiles cheer you up and then others are like, nope, 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 (laughs) no? Oh. And here's the thing. There are people... I don't know, there's just some people that are born with that kind of creepy smile. It's like their face is saying, I'm as happy as I can be, and then about what is about to happen to you. (laughs) Much like the Joker in Batman, right? So I'm I'm, kind of experiencing this smile. And by the way, people who have smiles like this, you don't even know you have a smile like that. So let people help you out, you know, to train you to smile more affectionately, uh, and, and, and please don't let, if someone has a smile like don't let them be a greeter in a church, all right? <laughs> so I'm looking up at this terrifying smile, and then I see a basin of water and a towel on his arm. And he proceeds to kneel down. I'm sitting, kneel down at my feet. And I am not sure what is gonna happen, but he takes my shoes off. (laughs) I don't know this guy. And then he begins to pull my socks down and take my socks off one at a time. Gentlemen in here, have you ever had another man take your socks off <laughs> other than your father, like at two and a half. Like this is <laughs> really getting crazy and weird. And upon removing both socks, he puts in places my feet in this basin of water and he begins to cleanse my feet. He's like really taking his time and putting soap and cleaning them and Washing my dirty feet. Now, if there's one thing I will go to any length to keep hidden from any other human being, it it would be my feet. I don't know what your feet are like, but my feet are awful. I played hockey growing up, and there's something about stopping and starting in, in hard skates that just destroys your toes. My toenails... Are hideous. (laughs) Monstrous, monstrously hideous. So allow me to describe them, (laughs) because I'm not gonna show them to you. But each and every one looks like it was hit by a train packed with black, odorous, ingrown, traumatized, unsightly fungal misfortune. These are bad feet. You do not want to risk touching my feet. But there was this Jesus friend, this Jesus guy, ever so gently bathing my feet. And I look up into his eyes as he's drying them off and he utters these words, go thou and do likewise. It was the weirdest <laughs> moment of my life. How awkward is something like that? Even if you knew the person, you know, I mean, if, If if your wife came to you and said, honey, I want to wash your feet, I mean, you'd be okay with that, but it would be weird. (laughs) So given that story, I thought about inconvenient serving this morning, and I found myself going to John chapter 13. And Jesus is ending his public ministry at this point. And he's carrying on in the last few moments before he goes to his, his death, He's carrying on some private ministry with disciples only, just his friends and followers. And it's during these final few hours in this community of of friends that he begins washing their feet. Goes like this, verse number one. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel, tied it around his waist, And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. Now, this wasn't quite as weird in this moment, in this culture, in this time, because it was a lot more common. You know, people would come in from from long travels on dusty roads, They didn't have concrete like we have today. Everything was road, everything was dust. And for the most part, you know, especially in the summer, spring, the warm months, they would wear sandals. And so the feet would get dirty and and a part of the custom was you would come into the home and and if the home had a servant, or in some cases even called a slave, that that servant or slave would have the guests sit down in a chair and they would wash their feet. It was a customary thing. It was, it was like serving an appetizer. I mean, it was just like, this is just a nice thing. Can I get you a drink as you come? It was like, we're gonna, we're gonna wash your feet. And so Jesus takes on the form of a servant or a slave. In fact, it was so uh, reprehensible to Peter that Jesus would wash his feet, that that we see in the scripture that he said, no, 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 let me wash your feet, Jesus. And that was his last literal message and contact to his closest followers, washing their feet. And I I think he was sending a message to those that would name Jesus. Jesus. I think he was sending a message to those of us that would consider ourselves disciples or followers of Jesus. That maybe following Jesus and living into a Jesus life is a lot like looking to wash dirty feet in our world. And it's inconvenient and it's awkward And it doesn't quite feel normal because it is not normal to give your life away and to serve your life away in the world. But I think that's what Jesus was calling us to. And I thought about foot washing. I thought about what it meant. Because after that happened, I actually did grab a basin and a towel and and I went and washed someone else's feet. And again, that was... Every bit as humbling and every bit as awkward as what had been done to me. So I thought about these three things when it comes to washing feet. The first thing, if we're going to be foot washers in our world, if we're going to dare to say, you know what, I'm going to wash the feet of others, we uh, cannot be overcome by the stench or the stink of humanity. Foot washing is kind of smelly stuff. It's kind of not really fun and nice and easy. I remember a man named Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus's best friends. And he got deathly sick. And in in John 11, they sent a word out. I mean, they sent a messenger. Jesus was miles away and they said, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. And Jesus said, everything's fine. I'll be there soon. But he doesn't get there for four days. And when finally Jesus shows up, Lazarus has passed. He's he's dead. And Mary and Martha are like, why didn't you get here sooner? And Jesus is like, everything's okay. Everything's fine. And Jesus says, you know, open the tomb. Like, roll away the stone. And I love the words of Martha. It says, Martha the sister of the man that was dead, Lazarus, said unto Jesus, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. He said, we're not gonna open that tomb. We're not gonna allow the stench of my dead brother to come out into this world. And Jesus said, no. With tears of compassion, he said, roll away the stone. Jesus is not afraid of our stench. He's not afraid of our death. He's not afraid of the dying parts within us. Maybe we've lost a relationship. Maybe we've lost our joy. Maybe we've lost our way. Maybe there's a death of despair. I don't know what the death is in your life or in my life, but I can tell you this, he's not afraid of it. And he's not afraid of the death and the stench that is in the world that we live in, that we're called into these places that feel awkward, that don't quite smell right, that don't quite feel right, to serve, to give our life away. I was called to pastor a church years ago in Colorado Springs. It was a beautiful place to live and loved this church. And I had this amazing lead usher. His name was Joe. And Joe was a former Army colonel and uh, this guy had, you know, this guy carried himself with stateliness and, and strength and valor, and he had served his country, and, and he just was a strong man. And I mean, he was the most reliable servant I had in that church. He would do anything for the church and for Jesus. And, and yet he, he You know, if you know a military man or woman, you know that they they like things done a certain way because that's what you have to do in the military. You can't kind of go off script when you're going to war. You you have to do things the right way, a certain way for the safety of everybody. Isn't that right? And so with that kind of upbringing and that kind of character, he came to me one day and he said, Blaine, we have a problem. And I said, What's the problem, Joe? He said, there are some young people in their, he said, 20s that are out in the parking lot. And they're, they're really close to the door and they're in a circle. There's about three of them. Yes. He said, Pastor Blaine, they're smoking the Marlboros. <laughs> he said, what? They're smoking the Marlboros. And then he said, and then they walked towards the door and i got the door open for them. And he said, when they come in, they have the stench of the Marlboros. And they put out the Marlboros on the church sidewalk, on the Lord's land and property. And he was beside himself that this unholy thing had happened before church. And he looked at me, he said, Blaine, do you want me to confront them? What shall we do? <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. I'm realizing at that moment that the, the next answer that comes out of my mouth is gonna, two, one of two things gonna happen. Either I'm gonna lose these three who have come in to hear the gospel with their Marlboros, or I'm gonna lose Joe. One of them is gonna walk away. Depending on my answer. So I looked at Joe, and with all the compassion I could muster, I said, Brother Joe, listen, you know how much I love you. You know how much I respect your convic- convictions and your righteousness. But I said, Brother, I just want you to know something. This is why we exist. I know it's inconvenient. I know someone's gonna go have to pick up those cigarette butts. I know that, you know, we don't or you don't like the smell of marbles, But listen, can I tell you something? I have a vision, Joe. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have this vision. My vision is that one day I'd walk out into our parking lot and there would be so many people that had maybe not yet been discipled by Jesus or maybe had not yet heard the gospel that had come into our our community, that the parking lot would be so filled with Marlboro cigarette butts that it would look like it snowed. Because our purpose and our reason is to reach as many people, no matter what their hangups are, what their habits are, what their stuff is, to reach them with the gospel and let Jesus do a work in their lives. And I said, Joe, did you know I used to smoke the Marlboros? And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Blaine, I like that. (laughs) You see, it's inconvenient to reach the world we're in, friends. There's stench, there's stink, there's stuff we don't like, there's stuff that hits us the wrong way, stuff that we want to respond to in our own flesh, in our own ideas of how the world should operate, and yet Jesus calls us to show up with a basin of water and with a towel and to wipe dirty feet. Second thing I I thought about in this, this beautiful story of Jesus was serving is the gateway to salvation. Now, we don't provide salvation, but it's a gateway. I thought about those disciples. I thought about how right after this event, that they all walked away from Jesus. That when they were asked about their faith in Jesus, about their allegiance to Christ, that they basically said, I'm done. I don't know him. Judas betrayed him, of course. Peter, this great man of faith, this great man that said, oh no, let me wash your feet. Oh no, I'll never forsake you. A little teenage girl came to Peter and said, Peter, weren't you with this man, Jesus? And he was so adamant to deny his faith in Jesus that he cussed her out. That's a bad man cussing out a teenage girl in the name of Jesus. But friends, I think that the reason these men would eventually all 11 saved Judas, who took his own life. All 11 would willingly lay down their life for the cause of Jesus, would allow their life to be taken. Peter crucified on a cross upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified like Jesus. That the reason they were willing to give their life away was because they encountered a man that was willing to give his life for them, to serve them to the very end, and they could never forget that. There's something about serving others that draws them to the goodness of God, that opens up the door of their heart to what Jesus could do like nothing else. More than words, more than your, just your testimony, there's something about giving your life to another I love what Jesus said in his sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in a stand. And it gives light in to everybody in the house. And what is this light? Jesus describes the light that we bring into the world. What is it? Our preaching? Is, is it, you know, our big buildings that we build? Is, is it some great accomplishment that we know? says, let your light shine before others. How? That they may see your good deeds, your good works, and then glorify the Father which is in heaven. Now, I believe we need to share the gospel. I, need to, I believe we need to name Jesus. I believe we can walk people through the, the proclaiming, the teaching, and the preaching of the gospel, but let it be on the groundwork of our deeds and our works and our service to others because that's what opens the door to the goodness of God. I have a friend, it was uh, years ago, like 25 years ago, he was a, a UPS driver, and he, uh, he was a Christian, and he, uh, he had a beautiful wife, and he had three kids, and they had, uh, they had thought about getting really involved in a church, and so they went to a number of churches, and it just seemed like every church that they walked into, just kind of like they were unnoticed, that they were strangers, and no one really kind of went out of their way to 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 welcome them. And they just thought, well, we'll keep searching. So finally, they came to this church that I was serving in at the time, and I had nothing to do with this story. I was just, it was passed on to me. But it was a larger church. There were probably more than a 1,000 people in this church, easy to get lost, easy to kind of sneak in and out. And so this family showed up at this church, and they walked in, They kind of looked around because there were so many people and so many doors and like, what do we do and where do we take our kids? And this, this, this greeter who was just kind of standing in the lobby looking for new people, not because it was her job, but just because she wanted to, she ran over and said, I haven't seen you guys. I didn't even know you were, you were, you know, who you were. And so I thought I'd come find out who you are. And so they began to have this conversation, and she said, well, let me help you find your way and get your kids to classrooms and show you where the auditorium is. And, and they said, oh, no, no, we're fine. And she said, no, no, it's complicated. You know, we kind of took over this, you know, building, and, you know, there's lots of different halls, so, so I'll walk with you to your classes. So she took them, walked them to their classes, got all their kids in nursery and preschool and elementary, and then walked them back to the auditorium and handed them off to an usher, and the usher went and got them a seat. And so afterwards, they walked out of that church and they looked at each other and they said, what'd you think about that church? And the man, the husband said, man, that preaching was amazing. Man, I can't wait to go back to that church you know what mom said? She said, man, our kids were so cared for. I got back to the, the classrooms and man, everything was in such order and they took care of our, our children and, and, and everything was so great. And wasn't that, wasn't that person who helped us out wonderful and didn't you feel like welcomed? And they both said, yeah, we're going back to that church. And six months later, They're sitting in the church and the pastor preaches on the call of God in your life and answering God's call, whatever that may be. And both of them stood up at the end as the pastor gave a chance for people to come forward and respond. They walked to the front and they said, Lord, whatever your call is in our lives, we will do it. And the pastor began to go down this line of people and he prayed for them and he stopped in front of this couple and he said, I don't know what quite is going on with you, but there is a change and a transition and a calling in your life and an obedience that God is going to require of you. But it's going to be beautiful. And so they began to go home and pray about it. They began to ask God what that might be. Well, can I tell you today, 25 years later, they are serving in a church in Albuquerque as pastors and it's the largest gospel preaching church in all of New Mexico. Now, when they got there, there were a few hundred people. Today, there's over 5,000. Not because they're great. They're really quite normal people. But they just love Jesus. And they love serving. And they were some of the, the best serving Uh, volunteers in that church before they were sent to Albuquerque. And I'm going to tell you who's going to get the credit for a call that that pastor answered. Not the preacher. Not the, you know, the the people that were necessarily on the stage because they probably wouldn't have returned if it wasn't for that woman that just served and went through the inconvenience of walking them everywhere they needed to be and making sure that they got to the places they needed to be. Friends, can I tell you something? Serving may be the gateway to somebody's calling, somebody's salvation, somebody experiencing Jesus. And the last thing is sometimes the recipient of our washing is Judas. I find it interesting that Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, and yet he still washed his feet. Because I know what I would have done. If I was quite aware that Judas was going to betray me, and that he was basically going to sell me out for money and for politics... I would have just kind of not washed Judas's feet. I would have said, you know you're dirty and you're staying dirty. And so you, you're dismissed, Jude. Hey, Jude, get out, right? That's what I would have done. But that's not what Jesus did. Even when he knew he would be betrayed, even when he knew he was on the other side politically. You see, Jesus came for a kingdom. Judas came for a national government that he wanted to be exalted. Judas had other ideas than Jesus. Friends, we don't get to choose who we love and who we serve. We do get to have our own convictions. We do get to believe what we feel is true in our life. But we don't get to decide that there are some on the other side that don't deserve the love and the service of Christ in their life. We don't get to do that. We get to follow Jesus. And we get to follow Jesus in a way that allows us even though we can live in disagreement with somebody else, maybe in our family, maybe in our workplace, maybe even in our church, we can live in that disagreement respectfully and still serve and still love and still show grace and still be the hands and feet and the heart of Jesus in their life. And that's such a beautiful thing because... It marks us in this world because everybody else on the world takes a side and if you're not on their side, you're out. It marks Jesus followers because we can be true to our conviction and still love the other side and still care for the other side and still serve those that might be on the other side. And it's such a beautiful thing in this world to see that, to, to bring grace, where there has been anger and division. When somebody doesn't belong to our race, our party, our church beliefs, our theology, whatever it may be, and we still show up with a servant's heart and with love and a basin and a towel, say, I'll still wash your feet because you are made in the image of God. And Jesus died for you. And grace is coming, not because you've earned it, but because Jesus loves you. Unless you think Judas just went to hell, you don't know. We never know in the dying moments of any man, any woman's life, what the profound effect of Jesus might have played in those last few moments. The prayers that they might have uttered, we do remember the, the thief on the cross, right? He said, oh God, Jesus, if I can be with you, I, what, what do I need to do? And, 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 and just his confession and his, his, his last few breaths, just saying, please take me. And Jesus said today, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was no good works that, that that thief could do. There was no going out and, and running to an altar in a church. Jesus just said in that moment, here's grace, here's goodness, here's love. We never know what our impact and our effect might be in a life that seems so far from God in a moment. So I want to conclude with these two questions. In fact, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Just have a, Just kind of a a pause before we transition our service this morning. So, I wonder if we could ask ourselves this How am I serving others in my life right now? How am I serving others? My family, my wife, my kids, my community, my neighbor. It's a profound question. And I'm hoping that we can think of ways that we are or that we have. And this might bring us to the second question Where might Jesus be asking me to serve? Who, where, how? Where do I show up with a basin and a towel and allow myself to feel awkward, to feel out of my comfort zone, to give my life away for Jesus. Because it matters. It matters. I might add this. Is there a Judas in my life right now I need to serve? Is there somebody I feel betrayed by? Somebody that has made me an enemy? Somebody that has taken up for the other side, for another cause that is completely against what I believe to be true? Is there a Judas whose feet I need to wash? Grace that needs to be brought. Lord, I pray that we'd have the courage to not just ask those questions this morning, but dare to answer them. Lord, as we approach your table, as we do each week, we are so overwhelmed by the fact that we don't arrive here, nor do we leave here because of how good we've been or how wonderful we are as Christians but we are here only because of this table, because a body was broken for us and blood was shed for us that brings us into this community, that brings us into new creation, resurrected human beings that know Jesus and have experienced forgiveness and grace so that we could bring that forgiveness and grace into our world. We thank you for this. Jesus' name, amen. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at CORE Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.